All right, everyone. How you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast International Series, and here with me I have from Nottingham. Yeah, it's uh, Sam Ward. So, uh, yeah, currently playing for Nottingham Sheriffs and Wales Dragons. So, spent a bit of time at Nottingham Balls of Steel, Ipswich Mavericks, and Leicester Mantles before all that. And, yeah, also editor for the Neutral Zone podcast. Did I hear that right? You played on Balls of Steel? Yeah, yeah. So, Catherine, Catherine and I met there. <laughs> um. Maybe, maybe I just misheard it. I thought that was like an all-women's team. Was that a co-ed team? As it's the uni club. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, the Uni of Nottingham Dodgeball Club uh, is named Balls of Steel for, which I think is kind of like a legacy thing when um, all of the different universities didn't need, you know, they could be called kind of whatever they wanted and mm. didn't need to have the uh didn't need to have like the location of the uni in their name so the team that originated from nottingham was just called balls of steel for the longest time and then <laughs> eventually they eventually they implemented a rule where it's like you can't just kind of be called that you kind of need to have your like your team's location in so rather <laughs> um rather inventively with they then got rebranded to nottingham balls of steel for the for the uni club and it's remained that way ever since oh it's still it's still called balls of steel over there um, sort of colloqui- colloquially in the dodgeball sphere, it's called balls. It's called balls of steel. Um, I think with it being part of Bucks, so British University's College and Sports is the kind of um, the body that looks after the university sphere. Um, it's probably just called Union of Nottingham Dodgeball now, uh, to be a bit more <laughs> to be a bit more PC, but realistically in the dodgeball <laughs> circles, if you say balls of steel, everyone knows who you mean. <laughs> so we got you to blame for the name change. Got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, lucky me. Lucky, right? Well, it's on audio form, and I'm definitely not cutting this. So uh, let's get to some preliminaries. Um, what's your jersey number you pick, and what's the story behind it? Yeah, so I've been number 19 pretty much everywhere. Um, and, yeah, I mean – no i say no real rhyme or reason behind it so i guess the um particularly i guess it's it's kind of a, it's probably more a british thing i remember listening to zoe's podcast and um a lot of it rung true to me and that the lower numbers are sort of inherently seen as the kind of the like core squad rather than being the fringe players so i think that the lower numbers tend to have a bit more sort of prestige around them mm. um i'm a bit of a maths geek at heart um so um i like i like prime numbers i think my entire pretty much my entire <laughs> dissertation in my fourth year was on prime numbers so um felt felt very felt very right to pick a pick a low number that's a prime and yeah you don't see many 19s around so yeah ended up having that at balls of steel and mavericks and now sheriffs and yeah never deviated oh and wells as well so yeah never deviated from it <sighs> So last week I spoke with Jordan and he mentioned doing an entire dissertation of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which up until now was the nerdiest thing I ever heard. You did an entire dissertation on prime numbers. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I, I, can, just, I can just feel the listeners draining away. Yeah. So, um, it's about basically um, 
mathematical <laughs> tests that you can implement on a number to determine whether it's prime or not. Can we talk about dodgeball now? Yeah, uh, we already <laughs> lost 20 people uh, in the... <laughs> 20 subs just went down. Thanks, Sam. Um, mm. So let's, let's get into it. Uh, when, when was your first uh, dodgeball session? How far back does that go? And what was your first impression of it? Yeah, so it goes back to 2015. Yeah, 2015, I think, was my first first session. So, yeah, um, <laughs> it, was, it was good fun. Um, I think I got a bit of a... I guess it's always difficult as someone who's now running a club where people are kind of coming in at quite a green stage. It's it's kind of difficult to know how to how to kind of get them involved because you want to kind of get them involved by having them throw and throwing at them and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you don't want them to be out all the time because that doesn't give the right impression. So I think I ended up getting left alone quite a lot, which I think was quite nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember... Because uh, I remember coming up, coming in uh, to one of my to the first session, and not really sort of knowing what I was getting myself in for. And uh, I was running for running for one of our balls, and promptly lost it because obviously my running technique was not not the best, and not not what I was kind of used to doing. So I lost the ball, and they they quick started me. They being um, two of the guys who were then on the men's first and probably stuck one of the luckiest catches I've ever made as what like one of my very first actions in the session on one of the probably one of the two biggest arms in the club. So I think he felt particularly um, emasculated as a result and promptly had his revenge on me later on in the session. But yeah, that's one that's one memory that sticks in my head. That um, yeah, beginner's luck very much at its finest beginner's luck plus you were kind of left alone um yeah who invited you to the session do you remember who it was a combination of people really so um this might go into a bit of backstory i suppose so i so doing doing maths at uni um i played for played for their the sort of football team so each of the uh kind of societies and um subjects all had different football teams and they all played in, in a like an intramural league mm. um the the guy who was captaining the maths football team was also playing dodgeball and so were two of the players on the team and yeah so i'd been playing playing goalkeeper for a couple of years for the for the maths society and they turned to me and said, "Hey, you can you can catch, you can throw your body around, and you can you look like you can throw things. You should probably come down and give dodgeball a go." Um, so yeah, that kind of sowed the seeds of um, of getting me. It was putting the sport on my radar at the very least, and mm. yeah, kind of too, too many too many people and too much peer pressure really for me to for me to say <laughs> no to that. So it's a collective peer pressure. Mm. Yeah, sure was. <laughs> uh, how long did you play at uh, uni for? Um, so I started just like training um, in the second half of my second year and did four years at uni. So yeah, I spent two full seasons um, playing for Balls of Steel. 
So two full seasons, you graduated, and then you joined Sheriffs right after, or what? What was your first club? So, so in twenty, so twenty sixteen, the twenty sixteen seventeen season, I my first season was the last season in which university clubs and community clubs all competed in the same league. So that when I was playing on that Balls of Steel seconds team. Um, we were playing against other universities and other communities and amongst everywhere. Um, the year after, so my final year was the first year that they was the first year that the university had a separate league structure from communities. Um, and as a result, um, people playing for university clubs could also play for a community club at the same time. So I played, so in the time that I was playing for Balls of Steel in my final year, I also played for Ipswich Mavericks that season. So, um, yeah, Ipswich being my home club, I'd kind of trained with them over the couple of summers after I'd learned dodgeball was the thing. And they were just, frankly, very short on players that season. So uh, um, I was like, yeah, I'll gladly come and help you out whenever you need me at league. Turns out they needed me all the time at league and then some. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a, had a really good fun season playing with those guys because... Yeah, it was all just. It was it was full of people who kind of what who obviously wanted to win and do themselves justice, but they were all kind of there as this kind of grand day out playing a playing a silly sport with a light-hearted atmosphere. Um, I think I've probably never never played on a team that's sort of that laid back and having that much fun as that Mavericks team was going on. So yeah, that was a some very fond memories of those guys. Are they still around? So well, not as a not as a separate club. Several of the players are still around and playing mm. all over the place. So the Mavericks got merged along with uh, some of the other teams in the kind of East Anglian area to then form the East Anglia Vikings team. Oh. That um, yeah, that then played for a couple of seasons and then that dissolved. So I think it's been yeah, dodgeball in the in East Anglia seems to be kind of struggling a little bit until recently at least with kind of Norwich Nighthawks becoming a bit more of a powerhouse in um in our leagues so yeah kind of different iterations of the same people is probably the fair way to put it all right fair enough um so from Mavericks uh what was your next team after so Mavericks then I went to Leicester Minotaurs for um about half a season so kind of going back to Catherine's interview this kind con- this coincided with when she helped set up the women's team there and um quite a few of the quite a few of the then balls of steel A's were kind of moving that way as well. So it was um yeah, one what well, a decision that kind of made sense at the time. Um the yeah, I think the the club kind of went through quite a big flux of players and kind of struggled to keep its women's team kind of a float and cohesive so I think Catherine didn't find it particularly rewarding as an experience um I think given the kind of extra driving to training and that sort of stuff probably didn't mean that I was kind of seeing the value of training with it either so played half a season for them and then transferred to sheriffs in in January and yeah been there been there ever since wait this Wait, last January? When did you transfer? Uh, transfer? No, sorry. So, so that was, yeah, that was 20, 2017. 
yeah, so 2017 was when I played for Minotaurs. So I joined Chan- January 2018 in- to Sheriffs. And yeah, yeah, so played. Oh, fairly recent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of longest that I've had at, had at any club. So I guess recent in, recent for kind of old heads of the sport, but I guess being, you know, I've only, I've played, I think if you exclude the COVID season, it means I've played six full seasons there and three of the three oh. of those this is then the fourth now being at sheriffs wow and you and Catherine joined at the same time uh sheriffs yeah so she stuck out minotaurs till the end of that season and then mm. came back over to sheriffs basically when it became apparent that the minotaurs women's team was kind of falling apart the seams and were unlikely to be in league next season so we kind of skipped ahead of the timeline but um you didn't play on the Wales team that went to Manchester. No, that was no that that was. I think my debut or my sort of first trial was their first training session after that. Oh, okay, uh, so right after. after. Came out. Yeah, so um, I came to the Welsh fold while I was still at Balls of Steel. Um, so I think I played. My debut for Wales was the Six Nations in 2017. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a competition. I think I think it was just a one-off. I don't know if it had kind of happened previously. You the NEC? Slightly different. So I think mm. it then became the NEC potentially when Sweden oh. kind of got involved. So the the nations were England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and France. Um, we just came together over a weekend and had a kind of round robin in women's mixed and men's. So very similar in terms of how the North European Championships and Central European Championships are kind of run. Um, but I think now Sweden joined the North European Champs and France go into the Central European Champs or something like that. So yeah, sort of similar. Yeah, it's kind of evolved to become the North European Champs and Central European Champs as a kind of similar similar kind of tournament. Mm. So take me back. So... How did it feel like when you got to trial for Wales? And how did it feel like once you finally put on that that dragon shirt with your name on it? Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was, it, I, I very nearly didn't even go to the trial. I mean, it was, it was interesting because there was, there was a training for the Welsh squad that was in, that was in Derby. So literally about 30 minutes from, from Nottingham and um there was a girl in the there was a girl who was in balls of steel who was um kind of using that as an option opportunity to trial because she kind of previously expressed interest in playing for them and um yeah so they so yeah she kind of mentioned that she was going to go down to trial and Catherine was going down to i think going down to kind of help ref coordinate it or whatever whatever she was there doing um and yeah, I remember just messaging my mum to say, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly sure that my grandmother was born in, my grandma was born in Wales, right? And she was like, yeah, yeah, she is. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, so it so turns out that I'm actually eligible. Would be, would be quite cool to kind of, you know, throw my, throw my hat in the ring and see what was going on. And yeah, I remember just, I remember it being on a Saturday morning uh, after 
a balls of steel social and i was not in not in good nick that morning i remember <laughs> having to yeah having to wind down the window on the motorway so that i was able to be stuck out the window a couple of miles away from derby <laughs> so i thought yeah i think i haven't done my, had, hadn't done myself a particularly good service in um put myself in good form for getting into the Wales squad here but yeah they evidently had fairly low standards so they invited me to be part of the squad and trained a couple more times and then I was in the squad for the Six Nations a couple of a couple of months later so it went from not to 100 very quickly I would say <laughs> you actually messaged your mom to confirm that your grandmother was born in Wales, so you were never <laughs> yeah. you were never raised in Wales at all. No, it's uh, it's a bit of a running joke that um, I'm like as as tenuously Welsh as it is possible to be while still being eligible. In that, um, my grandmother was born in Monmouthshire, which is a county that is in Wales but borders England, and moved out of moved out of Wales when she was about 10 or 11 years old and has lived in England ever since. And all of my mm. family since then has all lived in England ever since. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, just very, very ten- tangentially Welsh. Um, and tangentially. Least. <laughs> so you're, you're uh, what we would call a part-time Welsh. <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair. Uh-huh. I think that's fair, yeah. That's fair, you're part-time? <laughs> so you know you never lived a day in Cardiff, the day in Brockla or anywhere in Carmarthen, nowhere. Just no, well in the Midlands. No, I mean yeah, I think the long probably some of the longest stays I've had in Welsh have been for Wales training, and that's the subtitle of about six hours. So read into that oh, what wow. you will. <laughs> so I want to ask because um, obviously you mentioned the the Six Nations was your first. What was your first Euros? Uh, first Euros was Glasgow, twenty seventeen. Um, what was that like? That was, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a pretty surreal experience. Um, just the atmosphere is kind of nothing like anything I'd ever experienced before. As a, you know, either domestically in either in the university sphere or the community sphere or anything really anything really like six nations it's just that remember i just remember walking in and feeling the vibrations from max met's boombox and thinking <laughs> okay it's gonna be it's gonna be that kind of weekend is it <laughs> um, yeah uh, it's it, it was it was a ama- it was an amazing experience um i yeah i think I remember playing playing the first day of the group stages and I think we had we had some we had a fairly tough group I think but we had we had a couple of winnable games I think against Italy and potentially Sweden and I remember we had those on the first day and I remember I remember playing out my skin in those games uh, probably maybe it's like roasted to memories or anything like that but I remember being really on form for those and then I think the first game of the second day, I did my ligaments in my ankle, mm. um, which kind of soured the soured the effect of it a little bit. Um, yeah, so kind of on, on reflection, kind of mixed feelings. I think it was 
it was one of those where as soon as I as soon as I kind of knew I wasn't going to play anymore that weekend I was like I need to go to another one of these and I need to be fully fit for it like I'll never let myself live if I don't do this again type thing and yeah I've been been to two more since then and fingers crossed one more coming up at least <laughs> fingers crossed um sucks that it ended on a sour note so to speak uh but um what would you say for anyone who whether trying out for Wales or Northern Ireland or wherever, that once they get to that stage, as far as the Euros is concerned, what would you say to them as far as like helping them maybe calming the nerves of the stage and the experience? What would you say to people in that, in that, in that realm? That's tricky. I think there's, I think people, I think people kind of react to those different pressures in different ways. I think particularly, I kind of mentioned it in that Wales probably weren't, Wales have never kind of been the kind of highest seeded team in any of the groups or anything like that. So we've always been able to kind of go into a lot of our games almost like a kind of free hit that, you know, we can kind of, we can go out and we can, we can play our game and, you know, they might be a better team on paper, but we can, we can play without fear. The pressure's all on them. And, yeah kind of kind of go into it with that that remit i think the the thing that i the thing that i was kind of most focusing on is that having having trust in my teammates was kind of a fairly fairly fundamental thing in that it's one of those where you you train you know week in week out for your with your club or your uni or whoever it may be and you kind of develop that synergy, that understanding of what your teammates are going to do, what your kind of role in the team is. And it's quite rare that you get the same level of synergy with an international team, especially because different people come from different clubs who play different styles and you just simply haven't had that kind of time together to understand what certain people are going to do in certain situations and how you should kind of react to that. Um, so I think quite naturally, a lot of people are very individualistic when when they come together as a national team. And I think potentially um, that's one thing that the Welsh team is kind of getting, getting better at avoiding. Um, but I remember that when I played the Six Nations, that was, you know, that was poles apart in terms of functioning as a team rather than six individuals on court was I think what what helped me kind of focus my game as much as anything um so I I take that to mean like early on you didn't really gel with some of the teammates not because you weren't trying more so because you didn't really know how they would be on that stage yeah I would say so and that I guess that's a that's probably fairly natural for someone who's coming into a coming into a team where there's people with more more sort of experience in that team than than you or whatever it may be um so yeah i think making kind of throwing i guess kind of throwing caution to the wind and trusting your trusting your teammates to to cover you and kind of make the right decisions and stuff was the kind of was probably one of the reasons why 
that I played a lot better at that Euros, albeit briefly, than um, than I did at the Six Nations for one reason or another. Mm. So you've been to what three Euros, right? Yeah, three? yeah, Glasgow, Lignano, and Newcastle. Lignano, that was Italy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so which which Euros stand out to you? As far as your personal performance, or like, what was the what was the Euros you felt you performed at the best? And as a part two to that question, which Euros do you feel was like the biggest difference between the one you were at versus the previous one? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, tough. I mean, I guess. Okay, so I guess in terms of placings there wasn't too much to choose between all three of them really i think i'm talking about more like individual performance like which one do you feel you balled out at the most um i think probably newcastle so i guess particularly in the men's we we had a we had a horror group of death draw in that we had both we had both austria and northern ireland in our group and Austria versus Northern Ireland was the final of that of that Euros in the men's. Um, so we had both of those. We had both of those in our group, and yeah, we were they were they were really good experiences. I think really good learning experiences for us to kind of come up against two of the most kind of well drilled teams, and you know where they had you know, six players with everything in their locker on court at all times. And that was I think we I think we kind of learned a lot from from that in terms of having something to aspire to. I think we all of us had our kind of flashes of brilliance in in those couple of games. And I think that kind of meant more to to us once we saw how well Austria and Northern Ireland were playing and, and progressing through the tournament. Mm. Um so yeah I think that was that was one. That was one of the ones where I think I played. I played best. I think, yeah. You you kind of have those. You have those special games in. Um, in 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 all the Euros anyway. But that one as a kind of collective, where we'd had, we really didn't have easy an easy run, but we kind of held our own and had our heads held high throughout the throughout the entire tournament is one that kind of reverberates well with me. Mm. So I want to ask you something. Um, I think Catherine mentioned this before. And, you know, forgive me, I was kind of busy the past week as far as, you know, taking time to re-listen. But you you coach her, right? At Wales. Or, well, so I'm, so I'm head, so yeah, an interesting dynamic between the two of us. So she's. <laughs> I was going to get into that. Like, yeah. my, my question is, um, wait, what do you coach her at? Do you coach her at Wales or do you coach her yeah, at? So, sorry, yeah. So, so she coaches. So she coaches at Wales, and I just play. Um, her her coaching is sort of primarily focused on the women's side, and then Spike, whose head coach, kind of looks after the men's mainly, and then they kind of collaborate together for the mixed. Um, then I'm head coach at Sheriffs, and she is on the kind of coaching team so i okay you guys coach together okay yeah it's a bit of a yeah it's a bit of a 
I said it's a bit of a weird setup at Sheriffs in that. Um, so I'm head coach, which means I kind of look after a decent amount of the um, like selection and stuff like that, and as well as kind of running the training sessions. And then a couple, we have a kind of team of coaches of which the remaining three members of the neutral zone uh, are very much a part of, along with a couple of others who are there to kind of be, um, you know, timekeepers in timekeepers in the box at league or if I'm away or whatever they're able to kind of step in and run training sessions and that sort of stuff so okay yeah. so this yeah. kind of changes my 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 question um just a bit because like i said i didn't get i didn't have too much time last week to listen to or re-listen to her interview but where do you feel like your coaching different or coaching philosophies are different and where do you feel they are similar um between the two of you yeah we're going into the weeds with this one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that (laughs) I think we're both sort of we both hold quite a lot the same like values at heart, I suppose. In that, I think we're both kind of acutely aware acutely aware that we're playing this we're playing this as a hobby rather than a anything kind of more anything kind of more than that. And you know, a lot of the people who we're kind of coaching and trying to help help out our are our mates at the end of the day so i think a lot of we're both we're both very kind of keen to make sure that any you know anyone who's been brought along to the league fixture gets a decent amount of time on court and um you know they feel like they're kind of adequately supported throughout that throughout all that so i think both of us are sort of quite compassionate as our one of our kind of primary um mantras i guess i think i maybe it's maybe it's more uh that i kind of weigh in a bit more heavily on the men's team and she weighs in a bit more heavily on the women's team but um i think i think probably more it's more a male thing that we probably react better to being told in no uncertain terms we need to stop doing x you stupid idiots type thing. Whereas I think she, she'll probably be she'll probably be a lot more tactful in her delivery a lot of the time. Um, mm. And yeah, it's yeah. I think that's one of those. I think it's. Um, I think I'm probably keen to keen to get my point across because you only have the kind of sixty seconds of the timeout or whatever you have to kind of, to relay your point, and I'm not going to mull over my words to you know to kind of soften the blow because time is of the essence right you see i would say there's a difference as far as like coaching men and women but i'm gonna tell you something about me i grew up the youngest of 10 and i have eight older sisters and they talk to me huh I was, just, I was just marveling. Having, <laughs> having one sibling was enough for me. I'm, and mind you, I'm the youngest. There's eight sisters and one yeah. brother, and then there's me. So I could imagine, you, you know, you would think I probably got coddled and everything growing up. No, I didn't. I got cussed out just like I was anyone else. <laughs> like, I've seen most of my sisters, and most of us are all black belts and judo, so just imagine what the living room was looking like. Just kids throwing each other and putting each other in submission moves and me being a tiny, tiny one, <laughs> I'm the one getting picked on the most. So 
I do agree there is some differences, but I don't subscribe to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, like it, you know, I think I would certainly say that it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all type thing. And I think that's one, that's one thing where I, I think having that kind of empathy and compassion is kind of worth its weight in gold a lot of the time. Because, you know, even, even playing on the Sheriff's team and playing on the Wales team, um, you have certain you have players in both teams that bring different kind of personas and you know there's people I guess people react differently to different stimuli from their teammates and um, it's never going to be you're never going to be able to have a one size fits all if you coach in this specific manner then you will be the the best coach to ever kind of grace a court it's never going to never going to be like that I suppose no I highly doubt that so let's kind of let's kind of get back to, to your story a little bit um, before we feel sorry about how I grew up because um, <laughs> it's torture looking back on it I wonder how I survived um, obviously you've seen it, it, it obviously you and Catherine are together obviously you guys see each other play what is it like when you see her pull off an awesome play and you're on the sideline like you're probably, you're probably like the biggest cheerleader at that moment <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just pure, pure surprise gets the better of me. Um, yeah, she, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's one of those, especially when she's playing kind of at the highest level of women's dodgeball in, especially this season, one of the most hotly contested women's super leagues that's been seen for many a year. Um, so that's I think what I've seeing, been yeah, so. Yeah, it, it's kind of adds an extra dynamic in that it's it's all well and good pulling off a superhero move somewhere in a in a kind of meaningless game that you were kind of running away with anyway. But those kind of thing, those kind of games are few and far between for for her at the moment. So yeah, it's it, it it's it's one of those where I almost I'd almost prefer being on court in a nail-biting tense affair rather than being on the sidelines and not really able to influence it but still having a kind of vested interest so it's yeah my heart can't my heart races a lot more than i'd like to admit on those, <laughs> which yeah means that it gets quite raucous on the sidelines quite a lot when when the rest of us are watching <laughs> i could just imagine the look on your face at st george's park when you're in the bleachers and you you see Catherine, you see the rest of the sheriffs in like a do or die situation. Let's say a one v three, and it's yeah. Catherine, and she pulls off a clutch catch, follows it up with a sick counter. I can just imagine you jumping like Michael Jordan from the bleachers, just like celebrating, almost like a, a proud stage mom in some ways. Like I, you just have that kind of vibe to you for some reason. I can read that. I think yeah, and you know, obviously with that kind of personal vested interest, that that kind of galvanizes that a little bit more. But I found it, I found it also with the, you know, we have two, we have our men's twos and our women's twos that I've kind of taken, taken a bit under my wing at various points of the season, and you know, in in a kind of similar vein that you just kind of, you know, you're fighting their fight as much as they are, and when when they do something that's you know, 
something that's something that's absolutely brilliant and really changes the complexion of a game, then yeah, it's it's difficult to keep it under wraps sometimes, certainly. <laughs> so let me ask you this, as someone who's a fellow content creator and you being the chief responsibility, whatever you want to call it, you being sort of like the chief, the leader of the of the neutral zone, what do you have any like rituals as far as prepping for recording? Or just prepping not, for what yeah. you guys are going to talk about? Not really. I think a lot of it seems to be very kind of, a lot of it is pretty on the fly, to be honest. Um, I guess the the kind of extent of our organization is deciding whether we're recording at our house or Dave and Jordan's house and whether we want to have dinner together before or after. And that goes to, there, there is the extent of our organization I mean, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, we kind of have a bit of sort of idle, a bit of idle chit chat while I'm setting up the, setting up the mic and the laptop and all that kind of stuff. And I'll always, um, I'll always set it off to recording before telling anyone just to kind of get some of the general small talk around the room, which is why kind of a lot of our, excuse me, why a lot of our podcasts start off with, something just something just completely random that just happened to be we just happened to be talking about in the room at that time <laughs> when i started hit when i just hit record and then use that as like yeah that's i guess that's our intro for today here we go <laughs> so yeah, that, so, that's the kind of that's the kind of yeah which i, I wanted to point out which i wanted to point out has there ever been a moment you don't have to say what the moment was, obviously, but has there ever been a moment where you accidentally recorded an intro that you had to cut because, say, someone said something embarrassing <laughs> or something too spicy or something? And I'm pretty sure it was Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Jordan. But um, has there ever been a moment where we'll say either Jordan yeah. or Catherine or someone like, hey, can you cut like the first 15 seconds of that? It should never, ever, ever be aired <laughs> or something like that. Um, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah there, there's, there's, there's definitely a few that have, that have <laughs> happened like that. And yeah, sometimes I can, sometimes I can set it off and we can chat, chit chat for another five minutes or so before. Um, yeah, and especially like if we're looking at like I don't know if people are looking at memes or whatever, then it's not a particularly good audio <laughs> medium or whatever. But um, yeah, the moment there's something where I think that yeah, that's quite that's funny and it's that's funny that's relevant. Uh, we'll use that as the kind of you know the icebreaker for our listeners. Then that's when I'll kind of rope it in. So as a result, there's kind of a lot of yeah, there's a lot of dross that kind of gets kind of gets cut out at the start of these a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I figured. I'm like, I'm sure there had to have been something that somebody said. Yep. I'm sure yeah, it wasn't. Right. I'm sure it wasn't aired, but I'm sure you, someone said something spicier, or, or more than once that you just had to cut. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get to it. Um, did you have any role models growing up? And do you have any role models in uh, dodgeball? Um. So I guess role model is a bit of a a bit of an interesting one so i guess having i guess one thing i kind of pride myself on is you know a kind of good level of 
you know, a good level of sportsmanship, a good level of likability, having a good level of empathy for other people a lot of the time. So I think probably people that I kind of hold dear in my heart are people who kind of epitomized and embodied those values as much as anything, if that makes sense. So I guess I had a couple of, you know, I guess my parents are probably the kind of primary primary um people who didn't people who instilled me in that got a couple of couple of teachers at school who you know were very much um you know the personification of that kind of ethos of just basically be a nice person <laughs> for whatever better way of putting it um so yeah i guess having those kind of you know having those kind of role models growing up is um is one thing um and in in dodgeball you you definitely do get an awful lot of people who are like that um you know played a played alongside a couple of them in you know my steel days my maverick days etc etc um yeah so it's, it's difficult to kind of pin it down to pin it down to one i think um I think okay. If I had to play, if I had to plump for a name, I'd probably say Simon Fenn, who was the, who was the kind of, who headed up Mavericks for that season that I played with them. So he played. He's quite an old. He was quite an old head in dodgeball. He doesn't play anymore. Um, but yeah, just a, just one of the nicest gents I think I've ever met, and just sort of infectious enthusiasm and positivity. And I think he's probably one of the main reasons why. I kind of enjoyed playing on that Mavericks team for so long and probably why that Mavericks team was quite a well-liked team in that league as well was yeah it was a it was a really good it was a really good blend of people but I think he was the epitome of it really mm. so who would you say is your the rival player who who is your personal rival player and who is as far as you're concerned a rival team at the domestic and uh, national level, international level, I should say. Mm. That's tough. So I guess there's a there's a bit of there's a bit of I guess okay on the personal front, I guess there's kind of friendly rivalry whenever I come up against, of course, anyone from a like anyone from a former former club or anything like that. So there's um, there's quite a lot of balls of steel alumni in the in the British dodgeball sphere, so it adds an um, adds an extra dynamic whenever we come up against them because you know I've played, I've trained against them for 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 years, and you know particularly if they're particularly if they're like a year a year junior to me, I was like, oh, I remember when I sort of had my wits about me, and you were just a you were just a dodgeball fresher at the time but that yet here we are both playing in super league and all that stuff um so that's there's quite a lot of friendly rivalry with that i guess also on the flip side whenever Kamalden or ronda um we whenever we come up against them then playing against some of my compatriots is you know again a very friendly yeah a very friendly rivalry both all of us know each other's strengths and our weaknesses and <laughs> yeah, often a bit of a, a bit of bragging rights whenever one of us, whenever one of us catches each other and all that stuff. So I think there's there's no sort of, I guess there's no sort of rival where it's like, you know, I'll get I'll get you out if it kills me type thing. I think there's a lot of just general friendly, 
um yeah just all general friendly trying to trying to one-up each other that sort of stuff nothing kind of more sinister than that i mean obviously yeah. not not like sinister but like just someone who you know you have to be on your a-game for yeah too many too many of those to count in super league at the moment so <laughs> it, all blend, it all blends into one okay what about yeah. the national level Nationals, there's quite a few teams, I guess, in the European sphere that um, we're not that we're not quite on the level of the kind of big three of Austria, England, and Northern Ireland. Um, but there's kind of a pack of there's a bit of a chasing pack that we're not far behind, and I think and Wales is very much in that. So I think that anytime we come up against Scotland. Italy, Sweden, Republic of Ireland, France. Like I think all of us on a good day could beat could beat any of them. So I think coming up any of those kind of matchups, certainly certainly in the men's and men's in the mixed side anyway, I think um is one where it's like, okay, Wales against Sweden, that's gonna be a good game, or Wales against Republic of Ireland, that's gonna be a good game, whatever it is. Um so yeah, I think those are those are the ones to kind of yeah those are the ones to to kind of touch on i suppose i mean i guess the in a you know in kind of other sports i guess wales's rival in inverted commas is gonna have to be england just by geography and i think <laughs> if we i think if we we pick that fight i don't think we're going to come out on top very often so I think that, <laughs> um yeah so i think we'll yeah, I think we'll leave it at the kind of the kind of fifth the fifth through eighth kind of positionals <laughs> is probably where where a lot of the kind of rivalries happen. <laughs> you don't want to pick that fight? You don't want to stamp it on audio form? I think we uh I think we, we might we, we might have to at some point, but you know, we'll we'll wait just, and see what happens on that one. Just not now. Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see it. You ducked it. Um so let's get to what's your uh, pregame ritual before, say, before playing for league, before you, you know, suit up for Wales. Like, is there any particular mm. routine you do before you match up? Not really. I think I'm I'm one of those people who, um, I think, if I'm kind of left to my own devices, I'll kind of, you know, I'll kind of get inside my own head a little bit. So I think I know a lot of people kind of thrive on having the kind of alone time to excuse me alone time to kind of you know get themselves get themselves in the zone and all that stuff but I find if I kind of give myself that time I'll just be you know a bit of a a bit of a bit of a jumpy nervous wreck by the by the end of it so I tend I tend to just like I tend to just while I'm sort of while I'm stretching or thrown against the wall or whatever just making sure that I'm not on my own and I'm chatting with chat with people not even necessarily other sheriffs or what have you it could just be could just be other people who are standing around spectating or anything like that to kind of you know make to kind of keep myself keep myself relaxed and keep myself happy i think is the the kind of main thing um although yeah with yeah as 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 time goes on the need to stretch is becoming a lot more a lot more <laughs> at the forefront of my mind which i'm, I'm not quite as yeah not made of rubber like i used to be <laughs> made of rubber um that's a that's a good one how old are you uh 27 
Oh, get, you still got time. Um, I don't want to hear that. You're, you're 27. As soon as I heard 20, I didn't even need, need to hear the last number. I'm like, you're done. You're you're you got plenty of time. Um, do you have any pregame uh, music you listen to? Let's say on the lead up to St. George's Park or something like that. Nothing. Nothing set in stone. I think. Um, I probably don't. I probably don't necessarily buy into like, you know, the with buy into like the sort of hype music type thing. Like I'd sooner get, <laughs> I'd I'd sooner have something on that you know, some some of the some of the people know the words to. I guess just get some kind of get some kind of atmosphere and vibe going in the car, if nothing else. Um, yeah, there's a there's a good. <laughs> Dave's actually made a very good. Um, playlist on spotify called well it's called called dave prestige's toe tappers which is kind of which has got that kind toe of tappers yeah got that kind of what? um indie <laughs> indie pop vibe re, um, really on point so that's a that's a personal stalwart of mine i don't know why but I, I i i just imagine you in the car with jordan singing spice girls for some reason you wouldn't be far off a lot of the time <laughs> no not not far off <laughs> You don't have your own dance routine you want to debut at some point? <laughs> I think it would have to be particularly, I think it would have to be particularly um, yeah, particularly simplified, both so that both so that Jordan and I can both execute it and also that it can be done inside the car. But oh, yeah, no, it doesn't have sure, to be I'm in sure the car, it can be done in the parking lot. <laughs> On the warm-up court. Just Got to get it. inside get, get inside our opponent's heads. <laughs> Got it. All right, so that just all, all I heard was, I just got to get you guys drunk enough. Got it. Um, sounds good. I can make that definitely happen. If not, I can pay people via PayPal to make that happen. So, people, you already <laughs> I'm not, know. I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure if Jordan and I need much encouragement on that front. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's get to it. The crowdsource questions. Um, we'll start with the Hannah question first. So, what are you grateful for today? I think... Well, I'm probably most grateful for the most grateful for the dodgeball community, I think is probably the the one thing from me. You know, I kind of mentioned it before that having um you know, I guess being a nice person is and you know, being a nice person is something that's pretty pretty important to me and it's also something that's very very much commonplace throughout the throughout the community certainly in certainly in the UK and in the rest of Europe as well. So I think that the fact that I've kind of stumbled across this, I've stumbled across this sport and this, you know, amazing group of people that um, have a bit of a, you know, a bit of a joke sport in inverted commas. That's uh, something that kind of unites us is, you know, means that there a lot of the competitiveness is very much diluted by the fact that you know everyone's very much there as hobbyists who are there to exercise rather than fully blown competitors who you know are in the gym seven days a week and all that kind of stuff i think the you know you do you do get those kind of people in in dodgeball and you know that's that's absolutely fine and they're brilliant at what they do but i think that the the sort of friendliness and general you know the community is just full of nice people so i think i don't think i'd probably stick in this sport for as, for as long as i have or to the extent that i have if you know i didn't have some 
really good friends in amongst the community. So I think that's the one thing that's, you know, I'll truly be grateful for for, for the rest of my life, really. Mm. All right. So another Hannah question. Uh, favorite memory from the Welsh squad? Oh, there's a few of those. Um, I think, yeah, there's... I think... I think the mate, the one, the one thing that's well, two things that stick in my mind, and both of them are from Lignano, and the kind of primary one that sticks in my head is that we took we took six six ladies to Italy, um, you know, across both our women's and our mixed squads, and yeah, our women had. I think they had a tough they had a tough group because I think they had they had England in it for sure. And you know, they came yeah, they played they played incredibly well throughout the entire weekend. And I think them winning their quarter final to get them a semi-final against I think it was Austria or whoever it was. Um I think they they come up against I think they came up against Scotland in the quarterfinals, who has, you know, probably the full blown squad of twelve players or whoever it was. And seeing us coming up with six players and taking the win was, you know, something that was like, yeah, it's really good to be Welsh at the uh, at the moment. So that, that's that's <laughs> one. I think that that was kind of one thing. I think the other one is on a bit more of a personal level. So we had, so in that group in the men's, we had, um. We had Italy, Sweden, and Hungary in our group. Um, so I think the seedings was were a little bit weird because Italy were the host nation for that Euros. <clears throat> so they got put into the they got put into the highest pot, basically, for um for the kind of seeding of the groups. So it meant that like Austria, England, Northern Ireland all fell into different groups um oh and scotland when scotland were still you know kind of challenging for medals at that point um they all fell into different groups so we actually got a very kind draw um i think there ended up being a bit of a round robin where we beat it we beat italy sweden beat us and italy beat sweden so we all had um we all had we all had a win and a loss against each other mm. and Hungary were, um, like I think a lot of them had basically never played dodgeball before. Um, you know, they they were they barely had any kind of equipment to train with. They were just kind of a group of seven or eight seven or eight guys who just came out to represent their country and were pro- pretty ill-equipped for um, for a Euros. But I guess everyone's got to start somewhere, right? But right. It basically because of the because of the kind of cyclic nature of us Sweden and Italy all beating each other, it meant that we all had to put as many points past Hungary as we could and kind of beat them as heavily as we could to try because it would come down to set difference. Mm. Um so I remember when I remember when we were kind of racking up the points against Hungary, um the Italy Sweden game was going along uh, kind of on the court next door to us, so we had, um, so we had our subs who were both kind of watching our own game, but also with half an eye on the 
Sweden-Italy game. And when we saw that Italy were winning, that meant it was good for us and we still had a chance to top the group if we got enough sets. But it also meant that if we didn't get enough sets, we could be coming third and we could be going we could be going out early doors at that stage. Um, and I just remember that game, we were, you know, we were going absolute hammer and tongs on Hungary, which we felt absolutely awful for doing, but they understood why we had to do it. Um, and yeah, we, our game finished a little bit early uh, or a little bit earlier than the Italy-Sweden game. And it came to a point where um, if Italy won the final set, then we'd go top of the group. If it was a draw, we came second. And if Sweden won the final set, then we came third or something on, something along those lines. It, it was it was that close. Wow. Um, so our game curtailed, and a lot of us were kind of frantically doing the maths in our heads as this kind of, <laughs> as this kind of three minute set was panning out um, in front of us. Um, and yeah, Italy ended up winning that set, which put us top of the group, which was, yeah, pretty. Yeah, that the kind of that's one sort of moment that's kind of distilled in my head is just all of us going absolutely wild on the sidelines. We realized, you know, we've come into this group as in the third part and somehow we've managed to top it. Like that's a that's a mad achievement. That's yeah, that's probably one of the things that sticks in my head. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine out of everyone on your team doing the math in their head, you were probably the quickest one to come to that conclusion. <laughs> to be fair, um Andrew 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 Blower was um was brilliant throughout that game. He was just he had his he his so he's our he's our manager and um yeah, while Spike and Catherine were coaching and board retrieving and all that stuff, um he was just like running across from basically running across from court to court, looking at the scores and working out what what our kind of what our target was and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. so he was he was brilliant at just shouting down to the to the subs saying, Oh, you need 38. Oh, I know okay, now you need 40 and all that stuff, just to kind of determine the pace we kind of needed to play that game at. Um yeah, we and we ended I think it ended up being 38 nil or whatever it ended up being and yeah yeah it was it was rough um yeah we we honestly felt so bad afterwards um that yeah especially because their their english wasn't their english wasn't brilliant but it was sort of good enough that they understood they were we were able to kind of explain to them like yeah we're sorry we had to be so intense and so cutthroat but um yeah Ultimately, our tournament lives were on the line if we didn't beat you well enough, which they, which yeah. they were very, you know, very gracious and accepting. <laughs> so, I might actually drop the biggest grenade in this series that I've done thus far. So, I want to say two months ago, you guys released a, you know, you guys released an episode, and somebody sent you. Um, uh, what was it? Um, stats from Ireland over their league, and it was apparently a forty to to zero win. Yeah, I remember against a bunch I of college. Re- kids. I remember. <laughs> and um, I remember reading that. Yeah, 
I just remember th- well the difference between what you guys did and what they did. You guys did it for your lives, and that was sort of understood. I can't remember who this team was, but that just that's a total prick move, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I say think, it, man. I think it was Kapow or somebody. Like, <laughs> it, it, I'm gonna say it. I think, I think it was yeah, Kapow. Now I think about it, that was a total prick move, guys. Sorry. Like I'm gonna say I, it. I, don't know. I think the. <laughs> I think. I, mean, I, I imagine that. I imagine it's going to be one of Kapow or Ballyhackmore, probably the only two teams in, no, in the Irish League it, to, it be, wasn't. to put that to put that kind of scoreline down. And yeah, I guess, no. yeah. With it being, I don't think it, it was Ballyhack because they had another match. I remember. Yeah. Um, or at least another match that you guys talked about, but you, you I mean, gained. I, I, yeah. <laughs> the the only kind of defense that I'll put up in in Kapow's favor there is. I guess they realistically are in a top two tussle with with Ballyhackamore at the moment, and if it came down to set difference, um, Bally, Ballyhackamore win one game and Kapal win the win the other game, as in the they win them. So Ballyhackamore won the first game against Kapal. If Kapal win the rematch, then it will all come down to set difference between Kapal and Ballyhackamore. So I guess they. They're playing the long game in that they're if they kind of accumulate enough sets and then win the reverse fixture against Ballet, then there could be a gold medal in it for them. But yes, yeah. I guess it's yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, a statement um, of intent, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as far as that goes, like if it goes out that goes down to that point, great. I just think like and this is just for me, like this is my perspective on it. Like growing up doing martial arts, you know, doing everything else you know competitively you don't punch down you punch up and what i mean by that is okay you got 40 or in your case 38 wins against a team that either never played together or a group of college kids who are out of their element kind of mm-hmm. let's say you do that against mike tyson let's say you do that against uh you know spartans let's say you do that against one of them top four teams out there you know, it, it's easy to boast about a scoreline, but when people really break down uh, who who they were playing up against, that's where people are really going to get into it. Like, was this a quality scoreline? Or are you guys just like, I don't know if you play League of Legends, um, or are you just someone who has like five different accounts and you're just smurfing on solo queue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, like, okay, that's cool. Play, play, play at your level. Let's see how you can do that against the top top level competitions. Let's see. Let's see you do that against the top four team. Then I'll be impressed. Until then, like I'm, I'm just that type of person. Like, if I see a big scoreline, I want to know everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I guess it's what it's, it's one of those where, it, I guess dodgeball being with it being quite a small sport, it's probably one thing that happens fairly frequently in a in a in a league aspect. Like I guess mm. you know, kind of drawing drawing. Um, similarities between that and football in in the UK or whatever. Like you'll never see. You, I say you'll, it's very rare that you see a Premier League scoreline reading ten nil by the end of the game or whatever. But yeah, no, that's something in, that you like, probably see yeah. in League Two, or League Three, kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, even even then, you have like you have teams playing against similar kind of similar kind of ilks of teams, so the the discrepancy isn't normally necessarily that that huge but when you do get a league two team come up against a premier league team then you do sometimes get those score lines or like when the england football team and 
like San Marino or Liechtenstein or one of the kind of minnows of the footballing world get drawn, get put in the same group for European qualifying, then, you know, England like retreatly trot out, you know, eight to 10 nil wins against San Marino every time they play them. And it's just a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, nobody, nobody can ever kind of wax lyrical about that kind of, that kind of scoreline because it's San Marino. Who cares? Type yeah. Thing. Yeah. Until so yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a shame, especially with it kind of being, you know, with it being Hungary's kind of first, you know, visit to the European space. It was very much a very steep learning curve for them. Although they did end up having two really good games on the final day because I think they came up against. I think it was Belgium and Croatia who were both kind of teams in similar boats. So they played in they played in those for like the playoffs for I think it was like fifteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, whatever it kind of was. So yeah, they they got they they got their good games at the end. But um well, yeah, it's you know, a bit of a, a bit of a silver lining for them at least. Yeah, yeah, I gotta give big props to Hungary on that end. I'm sure they're gonna Love that 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 nod of a nod of approval coming from you. All right, so you ready for some controversy, man? Because I threw some questions at you. You may hate me for. <laughs> um, obviously everything kind of got shuffled around, but when will the British Open happen? It's in March, right? Oh, um, not March, not April. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I think it's gonna be April or May, if I remember. <laughs> But anyways, but it, yeah, if, it's, I don't know, is this uh, British Open or British Champs? I can't remember open. because British British Open British Open was normally in normally in January. Yeah, normally, yeah, a, but this but yeah. this year it would be in April or May, I believe. It's like yeah. right before the Euros. Yeah, so you've got so yeah, um, I don't know if there's a date in the diary for this yet because you got the English, Welsh, Scottish, and Northern Irish Opens in June, and then the British Open is normally normally kind of mm-hmm. follows on from that. Oh, so yeah, they, I would imagine they, they posted it. They might, they might well have done. I'm looking on, I'm just looking on the British Opera website. And it might, it might be that um, entry isn't open for it yet. The date might be decided, but entry okay. might not be open for it. Might be that might be it. But yeah, so, assuming um, it takes place in, we'll say <laughs> May. We'll say yeah. assuming it takes place in May. Who do you think is going to take it? Uh, like Spartans. If you had, if you... Spartans, Spartans in the men. Spartans um, in the men. Why then? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could have pumped for a, a whole host of teams in that one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that Spartans... I think the Spartans' consistency might be what gives them the edge in the shorter halves. Because I guess the British Open will be... Um, eight-minute halves rather than the fifteen-minute halves that we play at league. So um, you're kind of more, um, you know, you're kind of spark players or your loose cannons or whatever that are kind of more rife in your in your meteors, your better ranges, and all that stuff. Um, might end up sort of costing them quite dearly because I guess if it does, you know, if it does cause. You know, if an error does mean you lose ball possession and Spartans can just like grind out a set or whatever, then all of a sudden you're like a quarter of the way through the game and you kind of haven't haven't had a chance to get into it. You know what I mean? Whereas 
if it if that kind of happens in a 15 minute half at St George's Park you've at least got kind of time to you know assimilate and get you know, there's plenty of time to recover whereas I think you you don't have that much margin for error for making those kind of mistakes so I think yeah I've, it ultimately it, it comes down to which which team turns up on the day because I wouldn't say that um the other thing about eight minute halves is that you know, all it takes is for one team to kind of play out their skins for a couple of sets, and then all of a sudden there's a real, a really different complexion on the game, um, which is, I guess, is something that we did to Spartans in the British Open a couple of years ago as sheriffs. And yeah, I think we ended up, we ended up going into halftime, I think six nil up or six or eight nil up or something like that, mm. where they were. Yeah, the fact that they kind of went into halftime not having not got a set on the board really threw them really threw them around the block a little bit. So I don't think any I think any I think a lot of teams will be able to unsettle not just Spartans, but kind of any of the top teams if they kind of come out of the blocks like that and ha- and have an incredibly strong first half. So, you know, if you told me that London Storm or Bees ended up winning the British Open, I could you know, I wouldn't be completely flabbergasted by that. I would be much more so if they ended up, if they turned around and ended up winning Super League, for instance. Hmm. So that was going to be my next question. Uh, who, do you think, <laughs> who do you think is going to take Super League this year? Uh, okay, well, I get, before, sorry, before we move on to that, I think I was probably also going to say um, Bedford Eagles for the for the women's. Oh, um, right, right, right. I'm um, sorry. On yeah, British sure. Open as well. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of for similar reasons, similar rationale, really. Um, you know, they're very kind of, you know, their teams they they've got players that have kind of everything in their locker, but they don't rely a lot. They don't rely a lot on you know sort of flair or champagne plays to kind of make stuff happen. They're sort of quite efficient in in getting the job done, which I think bodes much better for eight minute halves than you know than people who just don't necessarily make the right decision, but they're good enough to pull it off if that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. And yes. it's hard it's hard to bet against uh Charlotte, just I am just it sure is. It. Yeah. Um and then on top of the rumor I'm hearing um that I'll tell you off camera uh about that team, but it's a totally different thing we can talk about later. All right. Okay. So um Super League. <sighs> Super League. Um I know you guys talk about this on a monthly basis. (laughs) So I want to hear it. Yeah. My answer might be quite different um, in a month's time after Meteor's play Spartans again. But I'll... Oh, that is coming up soon. Yeah, it's the next league (laughs) fixture. Um, I'm going to go for Meteor's, I think, this time around. And I think the the reasons for that are that when Spartans beat Meteor's first time around... um, Meteors were a li- were a little under strength. I think they were missing they were missing Brett and it was Brett. He had a Nathan. busted rib. Yeah, and I think Nathan David were both missing. So two of their two of their start two of their eight um, were gone. Um, whereas I think Spartans had, you know, more or less their fully fledged um, starting starting six, and it ended up being that Spartans only won by one set 
and I think that set they only won by one player or something like that. It was, you know, like it was pretty close. You know, it, yeah, sort of millimeters away from Meteors clinching a draw. I think Meteors are Meteors are better now than what they were then. Just you know, because throwing throwing Brett into your team will do that. Um, <laughs> and I think Spartans have kind of remained remained fairly consistent. I think they probably do have they probably will have another gear to go up to as soon as Meteors kind of test them in that regard. But I think I can see Meteors being too much for them this time around. And I think the other thing to bear in mind is that I don't know sort of how much you've kind of kept in touch with the with the Super League over here, but Bedford Rangers have been um sort of like a the dark horse. Yeah, they've been really hot on the top two on their heels a lot of the time. And they beat Spartans the first time that they played. Um, Meteors, have, Meteors have since beaten Bedford Rangers twice and Spartans still have Bedford Rangers to play again. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, yeah. if I think if Meteors beat Spartans, I can see it being a kind of procession for them to the league title. Whereas even if Spartans beat Meteors this time around... I could very much see them slipping up against Bedford Rangers and Meteors would be there to pounce. So I think that on on balance, I could on balance could go either way. But if I had to plump one side or the other, I'd say Meteors this time around. And you're not just picking Meteors to win the return matchup. This is for the league this year. I think for, for what it's worth, I reckon they will win the return matchup. But um, mm. yeah, I think even if they don't there's still a kind of sliver of opportunity for them if Spartans slip up against Bedford Rangers again. Mm. And for the women's side? Yeah, this could be... I could be way off with this one. Um, <laughs> I I think I'm going to go this, uh, the Spartans ladies. Um, I think they've... Yeah, there's... All the all the kind of top teams of Derby, Bedford Eagles, Valkyries, Storm are kind of all taking chunks out of each other, and Spartans seem to be taking. Spartans seems to be beating um, most of them. I think they've only had kind of one poor performance against Storm, and I think everyone else they've been, you know. They've kind of, that's kind of why that's why they're top of the league at the moment. Um, so I, you know, Bedford Eagles have been pretty pretty imperious for most of the for most of the season, <laughs> and Derby have kind of had kind of led it at the start and been untouchable for so long, but they've kind of dropped off the pace a little bit now. If they find their form again, then they could they could really tear it up at the top as well. So I could that. There's a lot of teams that have the capability to to do it, but I think I'll plump with Spartans this time around. Fair enough. Um, I was going to say, have you ever, you, you ever watched the show uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, if you were going to have difficulty thinking of an answer for the women's side, you could have phoned a friend and called Catherine up the even I think she'll be even less committal than me, and she plays in the bloody league. <laughs> All right, so this is a fun question I wanted to ask you. Um, if you could guess for any other club, who would it be and why? Um, I would. I think I would love to be 
play on either Bally Hackamore or Kapow's team, despite the shade with you, that was thrown at Kapow earlier earlier on in the um in the episode. I think the reasons the reasons for that I think are mainly that um I guess they you know they are renowned in the certainly in the European space, they're probably the most well liked team across the board. Mm. Um just because of their kind of you know their their sportsmanship their um you know their integrity and all that kind of stuff and i can you know having watched a couple of the northern irish league footage i can very much see that that's not just a front that's put on in the national team that's like it's in their blood almost that that they, that that's the kind of that's what it means to play dodgeball in northern ireland is that you kind of prescribe to this um you know this mentality and this ethos. So I think playing on playing on one of those teams, um, and you know being sort of seeing seeing that kind of camaraderie and just generally being a nice person on kind kind of coming from all sides would be, I imagine, a really pleasant experience. And mm. also they're but they're really really good at dodgeball. So I'd love to sort of see them. <laughs> Would love to kind of yeah. Would love to not be on the receiving end of the Hill Brothers for once, for instance. <laughs> They're solid. I'll give them that. They definitely are. Uh, definitely someone. <laughs> there's definitely a group of people love to learn at least the cloth game from for sure. Hmm. Um, I feel like this was talked about before. I feel like you guys talked about this on an episode. Who's on your team of Sams? This was from Sam Richards. <laughs> <laughs> this was talked about yeah before, wasn't yeah it? it was yeah so yeah. For a bit of yeah um yeah i think it was in our most recent episode so i think there was we were discussing in an open it's come back to this this whole set difference mark here again we were discussing in an open where two teams basically had to do a playoff because their points and their set difference were equal so they had to do a kind of one-off set and they just had to basically cobble together a refereeing team um to kind of referee this one three-minute set, and yeah, I just remember remark remember remarking that myself, Sam Richards, and Sam Mason were all kind of refereeing one side, and I think that, that I can't remember whether there was another Sam or not. Um, yeah, and then um, someone just remarked that there's there's too many Sams in dodgeball, which um, I think is, I think is very fair to be honest. Um, yeah, and we were just yeah, and we were discussing who would win if you pick or like if we had or if you picked all of the Sams or all of the Dans or whatever in dodgeball, who, which name would form the would form the best team? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's one that we kind of one that we keeps um, we keep kind of chatting about a training of. Oh, have you considered? Um, oh, yeah. Have you considered Dan Doxy for the team of Dan's in the Dan's versus Sam's game? Or have you considered the team of Josh's because they'd have, you know, Josh McElroy, Gordon, whoever it is. Um, so yeah, those, that's always a kind of fun, um, you know, mental exercise. But um, I did, <laughs> I did come through with a list of, with a list of Sam's. List of Sams. Let's hear them all. So, um, what Sam team Richard, they represent? 
<laughs> Sam Richards will be delighted to know that he's made the made the cut. So yeah, Sam what Richards. Team he plays on. Uh, he's, he's yeah, he's um, starting for Spartans. So yeah, um, um, so yeah, there's there's him. There's there's me, obviously, because right. you know I can't. I can't as much can. as I very much could drop myself, I'm not going to. No, um, don't do that. There's Sam Mason, who's playing for Bedford Rangers, and uh, he's also playing for England, or certainly was at the most recent England trials. So, um, yeah, probably one of the one of the best catchers in the cloth game, probably anywhere. Um, so, yeah, we we'll definitely have him around. Uh, Sam Laverty, who's playing for London Storm. Um, yeah, again. You know, a very a very safe pair of hands in the in the catching sense, and you know, it seems to be that something in the something in the water in London that as soon as you as soon as you put on a storm shirt, that you develop a massive arm. So, yeah, we definitely <laughs> have him. So that's the secret. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So move, move to London, and then all your problems will be solved. Uh, will then, it though? <laughs> if I, I live in LA, it's not that different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then it then it got then it got tough because I've got a I think I ended up getting a list of about six or seven other Sams to to put in, um, but uh, I've gone for so there's Sam there's Sam Copping who's uh, who's kind of playing for R playing for R two so again a bit of, potentially a bit of a biased pick um, playing for R twos but could very well very well easily be in R ones as soon as anyone gets injured or dropped or anything like that so yeah we'd have him in there and uh sam walton is was the final was the final one i picked so he's playing for stafford raptors this se- uh this season and yeah uh, again a very a very nice chap to boot and uh yeah it seems that all i've done is pick sams who can catch dodgeballs and that's our team so you picked a team of catchers that all happen to have the same name. Yep, would very much would very much like to see that happen at some point. I would pay to see that happen. I want to see this, this is this is my fantasy matchup. I want yeah. to see a team of Sams versus a team of Bretts versus a team of Simons. And I'm just trying to come up with common names, however you want to fill that out it's up to you. Um, and yeah. we'll just play we, a team we, of Johns. We put out we put out a call on I think we uh, I certainly meant meant to or um, put out a call on our Insta for send us your team send us your dodgeball team where everyone shares the same name and also if you're all at league and there's a free court then let's make this matchup happen because I think it would be good fun that'd be great um, <laughs> except for the fact that I'm probably the only Sergio that plays in America that's sad <laughs> typical. Um, so let's get into the, some of the threads. Um, I responded to Sam Richards. We need a Photoshop wizard to make a banner of different variants of Sam Ward. Now, what inspired this idea was two things. One, the Loki Disney Channel series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, I guess this happened in December where London Storm had to pull out of a tournament or an open or something. <laughs> and they just had multiple versions of steve on their banner steven do yeah so i'm like let's do something like that for you <laughs> um because that would that would definitely be fun i'd like to see how many variants of sam richard or uh, sam ward there is i'm sorry uh this is too much sam's 
uh, Tamara, Zoe, it sounds like a job for you, and Zoe Wells. Her freelance rates are 15 pounds an hour. Think I said that right? Pounds? Yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Wait, is that the pound sign or euro? Or euro? No, it's a pound sign. Okay. I was like, I figured it was a pound sign. Uh, yeah. 15 pounds an hour. All right, cool. I uh, definitely know where to hit you up. Just let me know what the uh, PayPal is and we'll go from there. Um, now let's go with Catherine Thomas. Is dodgeball better than football? Well, I mean, I used to play football and I now play dodgeball. So, yes, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, and now well, we're going to skip the next Catherine question. I feel like there's a good story behind that. We'll save for last. Yeah. Um, Shaquille Joseph, what are your thoughts on the mixed leagues this season? Yeah, I think it's – I guess it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one because I think it often gets – um, kind of disregarded by a lot of players in favor of national league. Like if they're, they're everyone would kind of prioritize the kind of single gendered leagues rather than you know putting their fully fledged teams in in for mixed a lot of the time, which is which is good in some ways in that it gives a lot more kind of fringe players the opportunity to you know really show what they're made of against the better players and that sort of stuff, but. It does mean that the mixed league kind of suffers a lot from, from you know, inconsistency of players and um, teams kind of fluctuating a lot of the time. So I think that's it's been it's certainly been interesting this this time around. I think um, in the in the Super League definitely, I think with um, there's I think all of the kind of top six teams are all kind of looking at looking at all the teams around them, thinking. Yeah, we can, we can all beat each other type thing. So there's a, there's a real good, or maybe maybe not even that. More like if a you know if a weak sheriff's team turns up, then we could be in with a real shot. Or you know, I really hope that killer bees haven't brought Aiden Woodall or whoever it is. Um, <laughs> like, so I think that you know you you never you never quite know what you're going to get whenever you whenever you drive down to Stafford to play mixed because you could have you know you could see okay we're playing Spartans this week that could mean you know Sam Richards Alex Harrison and Schwab's as the three gents or it could mean you know three of their three of their second teamers we you've, you've kind of seen a bit of both this season um, and the same kind of goes for a lot of the teams so it's been it's you know it's been even less predictable than the the kind of split gendered leagues for that reason, but it certainly made it, it certainly made it interesting as a as a kind of participant to think. Actually, um, if we're behind Spartans at the moment, then all it takes is for them to take a bit of a weak team one week, come away with two losses, and suddenly they're we're ahead of them type thing. So it's not like it's ne- it never gets to the point where you think, oh, if we lose this game, then we're we don't have a chance for a medal anymore. So there's more parity in the mixed league. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it normally is. It certainly was the case sort of early on in the mixed league because I think teams were suffering a bit more for um, for COVID and Christmas and stuff like that. So I think particularly yeah. early doors, there was a lot of variation in teams struggling to put out full teams of six and that kind of stuff. Um, but 
but yeah, now as kind of particularly with there being a bit of a lull in the league or a, a bit a bit of a lull in national league, it means that mi- people are actually kind of using mix as an opportunity to kind of keep uh, keep you know keep their eye in, I guess, with competitive dodgeball. Hmm. All right, and he kind of went into the weeds with this one. Um, who is on your mixed dream team, both at the domestic and international level? That is tough. <laughs> he really went yeah. at it with you in this one. Yeah. Cheshack. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think I've been – I think with, with Sheriffs and with Wales, I think I've been quite lucky in – playing alongside uh playing on some mixed teams that you know are kind of are pretty much at the at the pinnacle of um of kind of the domestic of the of the of the kind of domestic stages in that you know sheriffs sheriff sheriffs mixed is better than sheriffs men's and Wales mixed are better than Wales men. Certainly, kind of historically, potentially not so, potentially not so after COVID break and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I think in terms of the best, I'm going to go a bit too halves with this. I think um, some of the best, some of the best men I've played against in a mixed format. Um, I think are going to be international level wise will have to be Stefan Leitinger, Josh McElroy, Max Metz, uh, Brett, Alex Harrison. That's probably enough. I think certainly those five would definitely make a, make a good sort of men's contingent in a mix, in a, you know, in a mixed team. I think what yeah. about the women? Um the women uh I think I'm probably gonna show my show my sheriff's bias on a couple of these. But sure. um right. your question. <laughs> Abby Gala um has to be a shoe in for you know both those performances at both England and Sheriffs for a number of years. Um, I'd say Lauren Hems as well, another another sheriff, sheriffs and England international, formerly of formerly of Bedford Eagles, and I think she's, um, yeah, I think she's one person. You kind of go back to the rivals thing. I think she's, you know, she she really has me on lock. At training a lot of the time is a, is a little embarrassing a lot of the time but yeah she's she, she's a she's a phenomenal player I'd love, would love to be on her mixed team at some point um karen pickering as well both playing with her for Wales, alongside her for wales and against her for spartans and yeah she's she's impervious she's an absolutely brilliant player and you know, even the fact that she's had a baby and come back this season and doesn't look to have lost any lost a yard of pace or anything like that. She's, you know, a phenomenal athlete. So she'd definitely be she'd definitely be in there. 
I think to be honest, um, Elisa and Amy from Carmarthen and also Wales, I think they both, you can kind of tell that they've kind of grown up in inverted commas um, in their, in their dodgeball sense, playing alongside men just because they're not, you know, they can very much hold their own in nearly all aspects against, against men. And that's always showed in the, you know, when we've, when we've lined up alongside the same mixed team at Wales there and, you know, they're, they're two very substantial reasons for why the Welsh ranking mixed ranking is as high as it is. Um, so yeah, that would be, that would be a pretty stacked team, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely stacked indeed when you add those two. Uh, Dave Prestage, who is on your dodgeball Mount Rushmore? Yeah, this is gonna be there's gonna be some there's gonna be some tough omissions on this one. Yeah. Um, I did think about responding to this as the the four of us as the neutral zone, but then quickly kind of that idea. <laughs> I think that was the answer he was kind of angling for, but yeah. um no no chance, sadly. Um I think the I think the players that I've kind of been players that I've kind of played against and you know sometimes you kind of leave a court thinking I had absolutely no idea how to get player X out he was you know he was absolutely outstanding couldn't couldn't hit him couldn't catch him couldn't do anything or yeah if we threw two balls at him he'd be fine and what have you so I think those kind of players I think I'd throw in I think I had to throw in Alex Harrison I think he's had too many he's had too many brilliant days for it to be luck at this point um mm. yeah the, man, the man's got the man's got everything in his locker and he's one of those players who can just turn a game on his head very much single-handedly so he's definitely he's definitely on there and the fact that he's done it for god knows how many years at this point is you know a real a real achievement um, I think same same could be said for same could be said for Brett Koenig. I think he has he has to be on there as well. Um, yeah, kind of uh, capable of capable of a lot of things that very few others would kind of even would kind of even dare to do or anything like that. And that's what makes him so brilliant a lot of the time. So he, yeah, he'd be on there. Um, I don't think I also don't think you can look past Arnie just for just for longevity at the top of the game as well. Who's Arnie? Uh Matthew Josiah. Okay. Uh, Maybe you can answer this question. How do you why get... is he called Arnie? Yeah, why is he called Arnie? <laughs> um I I kind of always assumed it's because he's a Terminator. So it's a Schwarzenegger reference. That makes sense. Um yeah, I, I don't know if, I don't that. know if that's it. Yeah, I don't know if that's <laughs> I, I don't think know about if that's that. it. <laughs> I've kind of always assumed that's the that's the way it is. But <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um for yeah, for whatever whatever rhyme or reason he's called Arnie, he's you know, still been at the sharp end of at the sharp end of, you know, domestic super league as well as playing for England for God knows how many years. And you know, he's he's in League One this season, but he's you know, a class above literally everyone else in that league. So he's 
there's a bit of, there's life in the old dog yet certainly so he'd definitely be on that <laughs> as well all right, so um, that's three. Yeah. Um, this is the final one. I am. Um, uh, I I think I'm going to put in Scotty Whitelaw in there. Um, yeah, he's a. Yeah, he's an. I think this season, this season especially, he's come come to come back from, come back from lockdown, and it feels like he's added an extra couple of miles an hour to his to his throw and um a little bit faster to that middle ball and all that kind of stuff i think he's been the the guys in the guys in absolutely incredible shape and the the dodgeball really shows shows off it um i think the moment that he went to bedford rangers was what made them a true title contender this time around i think they were they were a collection of good players but you know, putting putting Scotty in that mix is going to be, you know, it, it's what it's what turns a it's what turns a good team into a great team. So I think he's, yeah, it, those are, those are the four I think for me. So definitely a solid four. Um, that's one thing, and two. Uh, you you kind of said Dave kind of angled for you to say the the cast of the neutral zone. Well, that's going to make a uh, awkward. Uh, Recording session next month. Um, <laughs> yeah, I look forward to seeing him at training. Just getting getting an earful. Uh, well, you got to see him tomorrow, apparently. So um, yeah, sure am. Yeah, you're gonna get a a couple uh, what we call receipts for what you said. <laughs> um, now let's get to this question. I feel like there's a story behind this. We should all know. Why are you in this is from Catherine Thomas? Why are you the beast from the east? When Wales is in the West, not oh, Wales is so, north. Uh, well, so it's west. It's west of England. Scotland's in the north. Um, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so I think this was in the <laughs> Glasgow Euros from memory, and um, we're playing. We're playing as Wales. It's on the first day because I was playing. I wasn't out with out with my ankle at that point. And I think we were playing against. I think we we're playing against Italy, and I, I do something. I do something good. I can't remember what it is. I think. I think it was. I think it was a catch or something like that. Um, and Greg Whitehouse, who's commentating at the moment, um, kind of goes off on one and says. Oh, Sam Ward, the beast from the east, taking that catch, and there's a there's an uncomfortable length of silence in the commentary booth before I think it's Jake Canner who's co-commenting, just replies in a slightly quiet tone. Isn't Wales in the west though? Um, so I think that um, I think that's uh, a kind of nod from Greg to my. Mavericks days because I think that was when I was playing for Ipswich at the time, which is, uh, which I can confirm is in the east of oh. is in the east of England, um, <laughs> and yeah, the Ma- that Mavericks team was in the same league as Bedford Rangers when Greg uh, with Greg still playing for them. So I've played against Greg at some um, a couple of times that season already for, you know, representing Ipswich from the east. 
at that point and yeah evidently he just <laughs> forgot forgot who i was playing for at that point um but that took a little bit of ex- a little bit of quiet explanation for the rest of the commentary box <laughs> the, the nickname very much hasn't stuck here we got to hear i was about to ask has it stuck because <laughs> i don't think anyone's ever called you that on any episode i personally never heard it co- uh, come up anywhere else <laughs> Other than this question, I think Greg uh, did his best to kind of quash it in the, you know, quash it before it got. Um, I mean, before it, it, it kind of makes sense it. if you're referring to Ipswich, but yeah, Wales. Um, <laughs> maybe he's re- maybe he forgot that you're playing in Wales at that moment. Maybe he thought it was a Mavericks game. I, I, I don't, I don't uh, know, uh, Greg. You're gonna have to explain that one to me personally, but. Um, not that I don't agree uh, for what whatever awesome did he did awesome thing that he did, but I'm just saying like yeah, explain yeah, that. Uh, I, I mean I you know I, I doff my cap to Greg for for commentary anyway. I think he I think he is really really good at it. And no, he really I is. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's always it is all, it's one of those where you kind of have to you know speak in the moment a lot of the time, and <laughs> he very much did that. It just didn't, it just didn't make yeah, any sense he, at that he, point. Yeah, he did that. I mean. As we say in the states, uh, let them hang, man. I mean that that right there, that did it. That'd be the one. Um, <laughs> the beast from the east. All right, so safe to assume we had a lot of fun talking, um, but I want to know um, what your legacy, what you would like your legacy to be once you step off the court for the final time. Yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of alluded to it before. I think being being remembered as you know, one of the, one of the good guys of the game, I think, will be will kind of mean a lot more to me than, you know, being remembered as the best player to ever ever put on a pair of knee pads type thing. Um, so you know, being, you know, being remembered as a kind of a real ambassador for the game, kind of keeping the kind of sanctity and purity of the community. Um, you know, that's kind of means an awful lot to me, kind of keeping that a very friendly atmosphere for new people to come in and join, join in the sport. And, you know, if that's the avenue for the sport to continue growing at the rate it is, then, you know, I can step off the court thinking, yeah, I've made, I've made a real difference here. So that's, yeah, that's, that would, that would be, it's a bit of a bit of a woolly one, but I think that's how I'd like to be remembered. That's fair. I mean, I, I would definitely think that, with you sort of at the the top of the leadership as far as coaching goes, um, you do a really, really solid job in that regard as far as having that welcome, open environment. And I think you said it earlier on where you said, like, you're just coaching your peers. I think people enjoy that. And people enjoy your approach in that end. People enjoy your, um, your takes on uh, every episode of the Neutral Zone. People enjoy that. And um, overall, I think you're just a friendly dude, man. I, I mentioned it last time, I think, when I talked to uh, Jordan. And I think I mentioned it a few other times when I talked to Dave and, and Catherine. Um, you're a solid leader, man. A lot of people respect you for it. A lot of people admire you, whether you choose to believe that or not. And hopefully it's not your final game anytime soon. But if, if, if the final game does appear, um, whether, you know, 
another year, another two, another five, whatever. I hope you get a, a few uh, solid pints on the way out because you definitely deserve it. And, Thanks, man. Um, Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. And anyone who could wrangle in Jordan, that's a bonus. Uh, so that <laughs> – but I say this as a fellow player, as a fellow content creator, and I guess as a fellow name in the game, keep keep being who you are, man. People appreciate that. I appreciate that. As well this as the that we spent talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, just keep your head up, man, and that that just know that's the legacy you left with me and the legacy you, you'll leave with people who listen to this story. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, before we wrap up, um, do you have any final shout outs you'd like to give? I think we kind of well, we kind of touched on it all. I mean, you know, I'd kind of be <laughs> loath to loath to say. Um, if you enjoy podcasts about dodgeball, then please check out ours. Uh, For sure. <laughs> at, at The Neutral Zone on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. So hit us up. And yeah, if you enjoy the British leagues, then, you know, plenty plenty of that content on the way. So yeah, that's, and yeah, I think that's the... That's all from me. All right, everyone. And that was my interview with Sam. Sam, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story. And um, just having a great time having him on. And next guest will be Vic Gravilli. Um, he's, uh, I guess, a fairly recently former coach of Team Canada. So um, that's going to be a fun episode to listen to. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, season six is just around the corner. So hopefully you guys are all you know, prepared for that as well as I am, as I'm finalizing things on my end to start that season. Um, yeah, pretty much it. If you have any, no, um, yeah, if you've listened up until this point, thanks so much and have a wonderful day.